Ladies of the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. It is Wembley week, hence the little London intro. We have the Bills and the Jags to preview this coming weekend. Plus, last night in San Francisco, the 49ers team and the pitch had a race for just who could be the worst. And for all the games of the weekend, we've got you more covered than a Bengals lineman's tackle. This is the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter on the other end of the line. Ollie, how are you today, sir? Grand. Grand. Are you upset that I pulled the music slightly earlier than you would? No, I quite like this uh, long music interlude. There it is for you. Just a little treat. So, uh, yeah, it's Friday evening as we're recording this. We've got a fantastic show coming up. We're going to look forward to the Wembley Games this weekend. We've also got an interview with, uh, well, I guess rookie cornerback, but it's an interesting thing to call a 25-year-old, Delvin Bro of the New Orleans Saints. His story of how he's got into the NFL is absolutely fascinating, and we'll get into all of that a little bit later on. Plus, all the uh, games for the weekend, plenty of nonsense, I'm sure, your texts and tweets. Hitting us up at Gridiron, as always, on Facebook, Gridiron Magazine. And now you can email the show as well, gridironpod at gmail.com. Nobody did that. No but maybe they, that. maybe they will if I start the show with it. Um, <laughs> so you can get in touch in all of those mediums and, uh, of course, ahead of the game this weekend. Our friends at Sports Travel Tours, it may be too short notice for you to do this for this game this weekend because things were confirmed a little bit late notice from their perspective by the venue. But for the next two weekends, they're going to be running an absolutely fantastic pre-game uh, tailgate party inside Wembley Arena. All-you-can-eat tailgate food, unlimited drinks, that's beer, mm. wine, soft drinks and water... Big Screen TV's all the pre-game build-up, a live band, meet-and-greet, and autograph sessions with former NFL players, uh, and all the exciting things that we can gather in. Uh, so for all of that, just 60 quid, 40 quid for children. Very reasonable. They are doing it this weekend. You can find out more at sportstraveltours.com. But I think... It'll be more relevant to our listeners for the Chiefs-Lions games, particularly as for that Chiefs-Lions game, it's a 2.30 kickoff. Because of time difference, it's 1.30 this weekend. You might not get there that early. However, for 2.30, if you've got unlimited drinks, think about how hammered you could be by the time it gets to kickoff. Oh, you get bat-finked. <laughs> uh, and also we don't encourage that don't drink and go to games enjoy the football as it is yeah so ollie uh before we get on to the the weekend's action and, and everything else that's gone on in the nfl some bits and pieces of news uh we've unfortunately not been able to attend the uh the training etc this week due to sadly our day jobs getting in the way we do apologize yeah. for that but we promise we'll be doing plenty of chiefs lions build up uh to next week's game and we've got some interviews already lined up for that that's very exciting but is there anything you would like to report, any nonsense you'd like to discuss, anything you'd like to bring to the table before we get on to the matters of football? Yeah, I saw The Martian this week. I know it's a little bit late, but I really enjoyed it. I just think that, um, well, Matt Damon was incredible, obviously, but I think they just missed a trick um, emotively. I think that they didn't put enough emphasis, because the guy's away for a long, long time. Plot spoiler, if you haven't seen The Martian, I'm going to ruin it. Um, he obviously he gets <laughs> on off. Sunday. The NFL goes international. Just a nice little uh, thing telling you it's going to be on Yahoo. Wake up with the world. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's not like uh, Red Zone didn't tell us enough times last weekend. Oh God. Um, but yeah, he gets off the planet, and I. D but you, th when he starts to talk to the person, the, the crew that come back to save him, and you think. <sighs> They could have really You done are not holding back on these spoilers, are you, buddy? Well, no, they could have done a bit more on the fact that he's heard a voice for the first time in... I wasn't that bothered 500 about... ...500 souls, you know. Uh, yeah. I wasn't that... <laughs> yeah, that was annoying. I wasn't that bothered about that, but I just felt like the comedy and the tension balance wasn't quite right for me. So, whilst it was funny and whilst it had moments of tension, when it got to that final kind of balatics, balatic, balletic, however you say it, space scene, I didn't really feel as engaged. If somebody had died, I'm not sure I would have cared that. Much. I ho I was hoping someone was going to die. The the guy I think who um got what's her face from uh from House of Cards knocked up at the end. I think he should have died, and that would have been made it even better. I um I went to see Spectre the other night. Yeah, I well. Yeah, was it incredible? So I, uh, I I went to this so before the official premiere, which I think is tonight or tomorrow. It's or maybe even Monday. I'm not exactly sure what day it is, but it comes out on Monday officially. Before the official premiere, they did like a media screening thing, which is basically an idea just to get people out there and tweeting about it. They get all the plebs that work in offices like mine. I mean, there were some You're famous people actually there. There was like um, Nick Grimshaw was there, Susanna Reid off GMTV. You know, Adrian Durham. There was Adrian Durham was who, there. Who from spoke Talk to Talk. you? Uh, did he? That's what he said. I did not see him. Oh, he said that he spoke to you. Uh, wow, I do not remember that. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I spoke to Joe Amphlett and uh, DJ Ed on yeah. on breakfast. I spoke to those guys. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, this is very niche. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do more editing out of this. Sorry, we get. I promise we'll get on to football soon. Um, it was good, not great. Ooh. I think everyone, a lot of the reviews, and you know, some people who I respect and reviewers I like, every review has been four or five stars, and for me it was three and a half to the cusp of four. I watched Casino Royale, a little bit of Quantum and Solace, and then Skyfall in the build-up to going to see it, I wanted to remind myself I knew they were trying to tie all the plot strands in, uh, and I thought the Casino Royale and uh, 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 Skyfall were both better films. Um, my problem, my biggest problem with it was Christoph Waltz is an absolute hero. He's what a brilliant villain he plays. He's a great on-screen presence, and they just took too long getting to him. And I understood they were trying to build the tension of who was behind this organization, Spectre. Oh, it's Christopher Waltz. But Thanks it, for that. Well, no, you know it's Christopher Waltz if you watch. I the didn't trailers. know it was Christopher Waltz. Watch the trailers then. Um, right. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, he's been at every screening. He's been pictured on the red carpet. That's not a spoiler. Um, but they tried to build the tension over the character and why it's relevant and why he has an issue with Bond and everything else and I just felt like after a spectacular opening sequence the next hour, hour and 15 minutes could have been cut down to half an hour quite happily they underuse Batista he's just a, a brute doesn't have any actual lines it, it, it's a very old school Bond the last hour is phenomenal it's just they took too long getting there for me um, now, Daniel Craig best Bond whoa Daniel so, Craig, after watching this film even though the film wasn't my favourite Daniel Craig Bond Daniel Craig is the best Bond so Daniel Craig is the best, but better than Connery, better than Moore, better than Dalton. Don't oh, you've thrown some horrible names to the mix there? The order goes: Daniel Craig, yeah, Sean Connery, yeah, everybody else in a mess on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Moore. That's I. I don't get Moore. I don't get it. I don't get Moore. I don't get Dalton. I don't oh, really get I like Dalton either. I like. I think Dalton. Dalton probably raises to above the other ones in that malaise. I actually really like. Lazenby, not for his performance, but the Bond film he's in is maybe my favourite uh, older Bond film. You Only Live Twice? Is that the one he did? On Her Majesty's Secret <coughs> Service. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, that was it, You're yeah. a disgrace for both, for not knowing that, and also saying that that's one of the best old films. Get out. It's Let's get the, on to some football. It's you one of the best Bond sick. films. You make me sick. You shut your mouth. Yeah, you shut your mouth. Shut your little whore mouth, Yeah, uh, slag <laughs> I like when we're not in the same studio, because we can be really horrible to each other. <laughs> this is yeah. nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the horn that says we should get on and talk about some football. Where would you like to start, Ollie Hunter? There's, there's, even, there's, there's some only news. one place. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do it. Okay. Last night in San Francisco, as I said in the intro, the 49ers battled with their own pitch for who could put in the worst performance on Thursday night football. It was a disgrace. Honestly, the 49ers, uh, wide receivers, only had two catches more than their cornerbacks. Oh, dear. They only had, I think... Uh, I think they only had two possessions in their opposition territory. Um, they uh, they scored the one field goal, of course. Without that, it would have been a big fat bagel, and deservedly so. Uh, the protection was all over the shop. They got uh, the um, Seahawks defense got a huge amount of pressure on Kaepernick. Uh, they uh, and I actually don't. He didn't have a terrible game because he didn't turn the ball over. He managed to make some decent decisions. But what I just don't understand is Jeep Christ played such a great game plan against the Ravens and then it was also almost like they were scared going into the Seahawks game mm. uh, he wasn't helped out by the team around him um, Reggie Bush had a key drop on the very first series of the play which would have been a guaranteed first down opportunity to get into opposition territory uh, before they'd even come out and scored uh, and just overall it was a, 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 a just a, a bad general performance Colin Kaepernick just can't take all the weight on him we, we court, quarterbacks will get blamed the most for losses and praised the most for wins and overpraised and overblamed. And he can't take too much of the blame last night for what was a bad performance all round. He took six sacks on the night. That gives you an idea of how bad the uh, the offensive line performance was. The defence weren't actually terrible. They got some pressure, a lot more pressure on Russell Wilson than they got certainly on the Ravens in the win last week. Uh, actually, uh, I have to say overall, the biggest problem with this game was, it was the two, I think the two worst offensive lines in the league going head to head. <laughs> yeah, uh, not not great. I, I really liked uh, Tremaine Brock's interception in the red zone of uh, Russell Wilson. There's two things on that. Russell Wilson still worries me with his scrambling, uh, even though he didn't scramble that much. Um, uh, he failed to see Tremaine Brock, who caught it brilliantly. Uh, well, I, I should he be? I mean, this is crazy. He should play the other side of the ball. I mean, that was brilliant. 
My my Twitter timeline, and actually Kenneth Acker's catch showed incredible hands as well for the second inception. So they were both good picks. Um, uh, Russell Wilson does concern me because uh, we are very quick to heap praise on him. Now, let's talk about the touchdown first of all. Uh, Tyler Lockett looks like a real player. Sadly, he's a bit boom or bust. He's a bit uh, Deshaun Jackson-esque. He play- makes these big plays, but doesn't get involved in the game hugely outside of those big plays. His pace was phenomenal. The coverage was terrible. But when Russell Wilson throws that deep ball, he gets it so high. It, like if you've got a big, tall receiver who can high point that, who's got some pace, they're going to get the, they're going to get there ahead of the corner every single time. That was an incredible throw. Both of the inceptions were genuinely terrible throws. Yes, he was under pressure on both occasions because of his terrible uh, offensive line. He took five sacks on the night as well. I think the Seattle defense had their best game. Probably in the last four or five games, obviously they kept the other team closed out in the fourth quarter, which is something they've not been able to do. But I think they got really good pressure. They showed very tight coverage. Uh, the 49ers were clearly banged up. Carlos Hyde wasn't running like Carlos Hyde. Anquan Bolden at one point uh, in, was uh, covered by uh, Bruce Irvin. Should have been able to completely outstreak him and ran. To, you know, he was slower than I was, basically. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, you know, the, the Seahawks defense, I think for them, this is going to be an opportunity to get some confidence back, and if they can carry that forward, maybe they'll show better performances against better teams. They were just playing a bad, bad team. Marshall Lynch looked a bit back to his best, but again, playing against one of the lesser teams in the league, I want to see him do it against a really stout defence. He got The biggest thing for him was 4.5 yards per carry average when he's been averaging under three so far this season before last night. He got 27 carries, 122 yards in the touchdown. When you consider it took them five or six attempts to punch it in on the goal line for the opening touchdown, you take those three or four carries away, say he gets it on the first attempt then suddenly his average jumps up to five six yards a carry so he had a great night the 49ers are a terrible football team terrible football team and i don't see another win for them this season i think that's nonsense i i i I can't see it very quickly at the rams home to the falcons at seahawks home to the cardinals at the bears at the browns home to the bengals no no (laughs) win win they're a a better football team than the bears they're a better football team they're a better football team than the lions they are better. They have. Right, I, I don't have, see their defense will stop both of those teams. No problem. I think I be a bet they will not win more than one more game this year. I'm so, going to give you one. So no, hold on. You're not giving me one. You're giving me none because you're giving yourself one because you just said they're not going to win another game this yeah, season. Okay, now right. you're saying they're going to win one. I'm going to give myself one just just for, so for tangibles. Saying, so if they go four and twelve, then you're going to owe me a beer. Fine, I'll take that. Put it on the bar. Don't. <laughs> good. I like that. Nice. Very good. So I think we've talked enough about that game already, have we not? Yes. Yes, we have. There was some fantastic news regarding Wembley and the future of the NFL in the UK. Uh, oh, I've just had confirmation, sorry, from Sports Travel Tours. If you are interested in going to that event on Sunday, Mark Kelso, former Bills player and friend of the show, is going to be there. So Ooh. it's going to be exciting. I think I'm going to head down there uh, and go and check them out. So if you want to come and meet us, we'll probably be in the Wembley yeah, I'll be there. beforehand. Um, well, we're bigger stars than Mark Kelso. So. <laughs> Whoa, I've not, we've not been to four Super Bowls and lost them all and become famous for wearing a very big helmet. That's all I really know. Uh, so, fantastic news before we get on to the game this weekend and before we get to our Delvin Bro interview, which is going to be really good, really, really interesting chat with him. Uh, Wembley announced that they are extending their deal with the NFL right up until the 2020 season, playing a minimum of two games a year. Jacksonville, of course, announced at the same time that they will be continuing to play a home game in London for that stretch of time. It wasn't specified. It would be Wembley. It wouldn't be a shock to me if after 2018 it were Jags games that were moved to Tottenham, particularly as it's the smaller capacity. I think that... Uh, it means that from 2018, 2019, 2020, we're guaranteed at least four games, two at Spurs, two at Wembley. I think we'll see more than that. I think we'll see four games before the Spurs deal even comes through, maybe as soon as next season. We're still waiting on the announcements for that, and there's plenty of speculation around at the moment of who those teams are going to be. But this is all very positive for the game in the UK. Yeah, I, I mean, the only issue is it is minimum of two. Uh, so next season's 2016 it could just be two, but I can't see that. I can't. Uh, They've I can't sold out three games this year without yeah. any of them being particularly great games now. I mean, actually, the best game on paper looks like it might be this weekend's game. After a year ago, obviously, we were all very excited about the Lions and the Chiefs. Those teams not impressing so far this year. The real the real issue um, that people seem to have was, was with the Jags continuing. Um, I mean, just to give you an idea of uh, the reaction on our Facebook page, Gridiron Magazine, 
Uh, John Duke says, great news. Chris Connor says, great stuff. Wembley and Tottenham New Ground. Hope the NFL continue the season ticket option for all UK games. Uh, <laughs> Andy Buckley-Taylor points out the issue with the travel at Tottenham, but I'm sure that'll be sorted out. But... Uh, the few issues were I wonder if the Jags will actually win a game by London 2020 says Gary Cohen Chris Jones please no more Jags Stuart Galloway nobody wants the Jags why oh why Jacksonville lol says Jason I think that's all incredibly harsh and actually I'm going to put it on the table I think Jacksonville get their first Wembley win on Sunday well I've also picked in uh, Gridiron hyphen magazine Pick'em predictor game that's the one Uh, I am a company man uh, <laughs> whoa what is this <laughs> stop copying other podcasts what, i will try what, what would we play if, if you uh if we introduce that into the game because we don't really have a uh a pod theme tune we just go oh, it's ollie <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah we could do that uh i've also introduced a new drop that i haven't had a chance to use yet in fact i'm going to save it i'm going to save it and i'm going to wait for an opportunity to use it when we preview the weekend's games because i'm sure you're going to say something which deserves this drop Ooh, nice tease but yeah i've gone i've gone the jags as well i think um, um the buffalo are beating up uh no harvin uh it's up we're unsure whether watkins is going to play i thought it was definitely no sammy watkins i thought he'd been confirmed out yesterday but then today i've seen him back down as questionable so that's a surprise to me i thought he was definitely out and let's face it the jags are sexy uh, when Bortles can throw the ball and it's not to an opposition player because Hearns, Julius Thomas is coming into his own and Alan Robinson, um, Penn State alumni, brilliant. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to watch the Jaguars. I really am. Uh, there are elements of Buffalo, obviously. That defence is uh, a bizarre one. They shown they've had games where they've been utterly stupendous this year and then games where they've actually really let down what we had predicted in pre-season. I think their corners could cause some issues, but what I do like about the Jags is in Hearns and Robinson, they've got two guys who in the last few weeks have both gone over 105 yards and a touchdown in every game in the last three weeks. No other team have players doing that. Yes, uh, you know, order of play is, is dictating that because they're having to throw later on in games. But then you add Julius Thomas, who's looked impressive since coming back. They've got enough weapons that they can be impressive, but Stefan Gilmore, Bakari Rambo, uh, Ronald Darby, who's looked very good since coming in the rookie. They've got a decent backfield to go with that front four so it's all down to me which Bills defence turns up the Jags need to get pressure on EJ Manuel who's not a good quarterback we know Tyrod Taylor's going to be out so I really am optimistic for the Jags my biggest problem is is they're not carrying at least a two score lead into the fourth quarter they may just collapse like they did against the Texans last week this is a team who have lost to the Texans and the Bucks in recent weeks they should be really with the position they've been in in the last two games they Mm -hmm. should be coming here with three wins not one imagine if they'd had a winning record coming here how exciting we'd be but instead we're seeing a one and five team or even a, a 500 record i really think they could come out this weekend two and five and i'm really pulling for them yes me too really really are um we talked about the jags coming back 2016 um their home designated home teams next next year denver oakland green bay minnesota and the afc north um i mean i don't see oakland coming back I don't see Minnesota, so it could be Denver or Green Bay. It could be the... It's, def- um, it's definitely not Green Bay. Uh, the Jaguars executives have already said it's definitely not Green Bay. Okay, so it could be Denver, which would be great, seeing yeah. that Denver Denver defence. I, I don't think it's out of the question a team comes back like Minnesota. It could be Minnesota because but, it's been a few but years. Denver would be great. Minnesota obviously won, so they, I'm sure they wouldn't be adverse to coming back. Yeah, Denver would be amazing. Denver would be amazing. Right, we're going to get on and look at the week, uh, the rest of the weekend games. As I say, we'll have plenty more talk of the Bills and the Jags off the back of this weekend, I'm sure. And we'll get some great interviews in the locker room after the game on Sunday. Uh, before we get to the games from the weekend, there are some really tasty ones coming up as well. Uh, Jets Patriots has got a lot of love on Twitter, of course. And as we said earlier in the week, we think that is a potential trap game for the Patriots. Although I've said that now, they're going to probably blow them out. And there are some really, really interesting games games in and amongst that mix one game that is intriguing this weekend even though it doesn't necessarily immediately jump off the board is the new orleans saints taking on the indianapolis colts the colts have been a real jekyll and hyde team so far this season andrew luck looked good against the patriots but obviously some terrible play calling and overall lack of quality cost them the new orleans saints got their just their second win of the year the year last thursday night against the falcons they've had a long week to prepare for this one so it's an interesting game on paper but 
More interestingly is the fact that we're going to get an, answer, uh, an opportunity now to speak with Delvin Bro. Now, Delvin Bro might not be a player you're particularly familiar with or certainly weren't too familiar with until he recovered a fumble in week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was uh, a much-touted player coming out of high school. He'd been offered a, a, a scholarship at LSU Tigers. And very late in, uh, in the high school season, in October, he fractured three vertebrae in his neck. Doctors essentially told him he should he should be dead he managed to survive get surgery um bring himself back and the tigers honored his scholarship he was briefly a player coach although never got uh, clear to practice never got cleared to make it onto the field and made the decision to leave college and go and join the louisiana bayou vipers in the gridiron developmental football league following season he signed for the new orleans voodoo in the arena football league followed by the hamilton tiger cats in uh, the cfl and then this january joined the new orleans saints and since then he has been one of the highlights for that saints defense so as you can see this is a guy who has had a difficult difficult route into the nfl and i'm sure he's going to tell us that he just appreciates it every single snap the more for that it's an inspirational story and he's a really interesting guy we're going to do a huge feature on him in the next magazine so this interview is going to be mostly about the current state about his season so far with new orleans if you want to hear more about the backstory, please do get the next magazine, gridiron-magazine.com to subscribe. But in the meantime, here is Norlean Saints cornerback Delvin Bro. All right, so absolutely delighted to have on a line a player who you might not have been familiar with going into this season. Certainly when he recovered a fumble in week one, he was a name that you've probably come to know since. Uh, Delvin Bro of the Orleans Saints, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, man. And yourself? Yeah, very well indeed. Very well indeed. So, I mean, let's start off with, we want to talk all about your play so far this season, but when you signed for the Saints in January, and we've explained to the listeners already a bit of your history, just talk us through the process for you going from three years ago starting in a developmental league to now being signed with the New Orleans Saints and looking like you're going to get to play NFL football. Um, when I started off playing semi-pro football, you know, I didn't think my career was going to jump off as, you know, quickly as it did. You know, I just was just enjoying the opportunity of playing football again after my neck injury. And, uh, you know, I ended up finding an agent and, uh, man, he, he said I had big, uh, big things planned for me, you know, in my future. So uh, we just stuck with it. And, um, I went from semi-pro to, uh, arena football. I played with the New Orleans Voodoo. Then I went from the New Orleans Voodoo to, um, the CFL, I played with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and uh, then I, you know, joined the Saints and New Orleans Saints in uh, January. And, and you got a New Orleans lad. You went to high school around there. Uh, I mean, obviously, you were due to go to college or play at college at LSU. And, and what was it like, not only signing for an NFL team after the, your roots of getting there, but signing for your local team and, and getting to play in the Superdome? Man, it's been a, a tremendous uh, opportunity and a tremendous experience, man. I, I'm glad that I chose to play for my hometown team, man. And uh, like like I said, man, I just can't thank God enough for, you know, just giving me that second opportunity to do something I love. And, um, you know, my high school, McDonough 35, was, you know, was behind me. And they were supporting me all the way, man. And uh, I'm just glad to be in the position I'm in. So, uh, talking of uh, the fact that you said there you chose to play for your hometown team, were there other offers on the table? When did you become aware that the Saints were interested in signing you? Um, I had 28 NFL workouts total. I wow. done like 13 or 14. I, I did 13 or 14 workouts flying from city to city. And, uh, you know, I had a couple teams and then, you know, that was interested in me besides my neck injury and everything. And, uh, then, you know, I forgot a phone call from the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, man, I was so excited when they called, man, cause, you know, the, the, you know, playing for your hometown team is, is, is something that a lot of players dream of. And um, for me to actually get the opportunity to do it, man, it, it's been tremendous, i tell you that. There's a, there's a great picture going through your uh, Twitter timeline. I promise I'm not a stalker, Delvin, but uh, there's a fantastic picture of you with your brother-in-law where you're wearing a Jets Darrell Revis jersey. He's wearing a Falcons uh, Julio Jones jersey. We'll talk about your game against Julio last week in a moment, but just talk about Darrell Revis, because in that tweet you say, I'm not a Jets fan, I'm a Revis fan. When you look at the other corners playing in the league right now, is that the guy you, you're trying to model your play on? Are there any of the other players you think influence you? Well, you, you know what, man? Darrell Revis is, is a great player, man. And uh, he, he's one of the guys that, you know, when I wasn't playing in the NFL, playing CFL ball, I always used to watch his highlight tapes and, and, and just to see what he'd do to be so successful in the NFL, man. And uh, I just kind of mock my game after him, man. He, he's a tremendous player. And, and uh, well, I, I see myself in him when I play, you know, uh, technical sound, fundamental sound. And, uh and, um, you know, just being a fan of his, man, is, is pretty amazing, man. You know, I hope, I hope one day I get to meet him. 
But if not, you know, I, you know man, hey, he's a tremendous player, man, and I'm, I'm a big fan of his. And I mentioned then the game against the Falcons, obviously your first d- divisional primetime win, a game that a lot of people wrote the Saints off on. And, and you find yourself lined up against Julio Jones, who through the first four, five weeks of the season was undoubtedly the number one receiver in yards and touchdowns in every metric we could think of. And, and you go out there and play a hell of a game against him. First of all, talk us through how you prepare for a guy like Julio Jones, what you saw from that game and, and what the reaction has been like since. Man, I, I spent tremendous amount of hours just studying this guy. I went, I went back to when he just was a rookie in the league, and just to see how he played. And uh, you know, I had to understand different things he liked to do. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I studied hours and hours and hours, man, just to prepare myself for this one game. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and I, I think I did an okay job against him. You know, he still had six catches for 93 yards, but you know, I can't control the things he do inside of uh, you know, in, in certain in certain defense we're in, but. Um, I think I did a pretty good job, you know, against Julio, man. He's a tremendous player. He's elite, and uh, you can tell by the way he plays. So from that photo, has your brother-in-law forgiven you for shutting Julio Jones down? (laughs) Man, you know, that that picture was actually taken, I think, last year, uh, earlier this No, I think it was last year. And, uh, you know, he's a big Julio Jones fan, but he he had to get get rid of that jersey. He had to put that back in the closet (laughs) once we played against him. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and looking at the uh, the games, including Julio Jones, uh, you've long you've kind of lined up against a very different range of guys: John Brown, Teddy Ginn, Julio Jones. Very different styles of receiver. Uh, do you think you've found what your role is at the moment in that defense, or are they still trying to feel it out for you? Well, you, you know what, man, I, I just do what the coaches ask me to do, man, and uh, and, and I, you know, I just do it to the best of my ability, man. And uh, I, I don't know what they have planned yet, and and you know, in their heads or whatever in the ride riding system, but I just do the best I can, man. And uh, whatever task they give me, I just try to make the best of it. Now, uh, your first career game, I mentioned it, was in the slot a, a lot against John Brown. You got four penalties that day. Bounce back, still made some plays, but certainly uh, there have been quite a few flags through your first five games. And We heard something about you wearing boxing gloves in practice. How are you trying to, uh, to work out that element of the NFL game and, and not drawing so many flags? Oh, uh, you know, I just man, I I, I pride I pride myself in my technique, you know, and and, and I, you know, I, I don't I don't go play the game for penalties, you know, I, I don't go out there looking, okay, I'm gonna hold this guy and, and get a penalty. I just do the best I can each and every play, man, and uh, try to you know keep the receiver from catching the ball, and uh, you know, penalties happen in the game, man, and that's just something I have to you know move on from. Like like my coaches say, always go to the next play. Next play, next play, next play. Don't worry about, you know, the penalty on the flags or whatever. And uh, that's what I do now, you know. And I, I think that definitely has helped me out through, uh, what, five weeks, six weeks of uh, playing football, man. And uh, I'm starting to limit to my penalties because I'm actually adjusting to the NFL now um, of how the referees, you know, make their calls and such. But, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's pretty tough coming from the CFL to the, you know, the NFL as far as, you know, being able to jam the receiver. As long as you can, you know, as long as you can in the CFL, to where you you, you have to be limited in the NFL after five yards. And uh, I, I think I'm pre- doing a pretty good job, and I wear boxing gloves just so it can help <laughs> me not hold. You know, th- th- those are my penalties, were holding penalties. So I, I wear the boxing gloves to to not hold. I, I get a good jam on the receiver, and I just have to cover with my feet now. Hey, whatever you can do, use to get an advantage, as long as you don't got them in games, that's the main thing. But what you say about the CFL, the NFL, the differences in rules, do you find there's a big difference yeah. in, in the coverages as well and the style of the play as well as the rules? No, no, not at all, man. Everything, football is football, man. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. And uh, it, it's just by adjusting from the, the the certain rules you have as a as a player. You know what I'm saying? Like, Okay, uh, not as a player, but as of the game. You know, you in CFL, man, you can jam receivers all the way down the field, and 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 until the ball is thrown. But in the NFL, you only have so uh, like five yards to be able to do what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? And mm. it, you know, it's kind of tough, but. I'm learning as I go. This is my rookie year. I'm learning as I go, and I think I'll be better at it. There was one other specific play I wanted to ask about just before I kind of get on to, to the Saints in general, which was against Ted Ginn. Uh, Cam looking to go deep into the end zone, and you used your arm to just ease Ted Ginn out of bounds whilst looking back at the ball. You know, it was the sort of play that you expect, not necessarily from a guy who's just come into the league, but, but from those kind of top corners. Did, is that something you intentionally look to do on the boundary, ease receivers out? Where did you learn about getting your head turned around? It was just a stud play and I loved it. Well, you know, man, it, it, it's 
it, I have to think back to when I was in high school again. You know, I've been through so many leagues, semi-pro, <laughs> arena football, and, and, and a Canadian football league to where you have to use different techniques against receivers. Now, you know, I have, I have to just go back and think, okay, I'm in the NFL, I'm playing on the smaller field. Remember high school, you used to uh, squeeze receivers out of bounds. Once you get get with them, um, running with them, you squeeze them out of bounds, and that helps you a lot. So I have to think of that. And, you know, going against that, tag in on that play, man, that's just something that, you know, it, it felt like second nature again. You know, I was like, man. You know, I'm running with Ted Ginn. I squeeze him out of bounds. He didn't catch a pass, man. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just enjoyed it, man. And, uh, I, I just, like I said, I had to go on to the next play after that. Awesome. Looking at your uh, season so far, then, what's, uh, what's Rob Ryan been like to work with in that defensive unit? Man, Rob Ryan is awesome, man. You know, each week he's giving me a task to do. And, uh, I, I just do what he asks me to do, man. And, uh, and, it, it, man, it's, it, man, he's, He's freaking amazing, man. I love his character, his excitement. Like he, he's one of the reasons why I love to go to work every day. You know, just just, just to hear his enthusiasm, just for him to be so freaking excited about you know first down, second down, third down day, man. I, he's awesome. Uh, we've seen things get a bit fiery between between him and the head coach on the sideline, between him and Peyton at times. I mean, is that just a case of their personalities going together? Is there something more there, or do you just think that's what uh, – is that just what it's like at the Saints, basically? Man, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Um, I've been in the CFL, and I heard uh, Jeff Reinbog and uh, <laughs> Ken Austin. You can see them two getting into it, but I, I think that's just part of the game, man. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be great. You know, and, and, and Sean Payton and Rob Ryan, you know, they, they, they do what they do, but they want us to be great, man. They, they want us to win, and uh, I applaud them for doing that because that, you know, shows that they care about the team. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 no doubt. Teams that don't, coaches that don't do that are like, ah, oh, man, well, I'm not going to. Are we okay? Whatever. Let that know. But that, that shows you what type of coaches we have in this organization. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Bet Fred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Bet Fred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Organization, man, I think it's awesome. Now, uh, just quickly on the play side of things, uh, going into practice, there's a couple of very different wide receivers there uh, in New Orleans. You've got Colston with his size and his physicality. Cook's obviously such a fast player. Uh, how do those how have those guys in going up against those different style receivers in practice help you? Well, you know, you just have to switch your game up, you know. Uh, like you say, Colston, big, physical, and, 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 and Cook's is, is more of a speed guy. He's, he's real quick. So you, you just have to know who you're going against uh, each and every down, man. And I think those guys help us uh, prepare mentally and physically for the game on a uh, Sunday. So uh, I think those guys are two tremendous athletes, man, and, and I'm glad to be a part of their team. It's got to be frustrating because whilst it looks like the Saints are turning it around a couple of good wins in, in recent weeks, you look up the league, you see an undefeated Panthers side, you see a Falcons team who, well, have only lost their undefeated record thanks to you guys. How far can the Saints go this season considering how competitive that NFC South is? Man, you know what? I, I don't jump to the future. 
Um, I, I just take it one day at a time, one game at a time, man. And uh, I just want you know the team uh, to to do the best we can. And uh, you know, then, you know, don't focus ahead and uh, just just take it one game at a time and and get stack these wins. Awesome. And finally, looking forward to the Colts this Sunday. Then uh, you got praised specifically by Andrew Luck and Chuck Pagano this week. How does that feel? Again, just five or six games to your NFL career to be having the head coaches and, and star quarterbacks of other team singling you out for specific praise. Man, I, I think that's pretty awesome, man. Just just because of you know my journey and where I come from, man. But uh, at the end of the day, man, it, it, it's 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 the game has to be played and, uh, you know, the, the coaches' recommendations and, you know, all the, the great quotes and stuff they say, man, I, I think it's awesome. You know, I, I haven't heard anything about that so far. I think you're the second person that mentioned uh, something to me about, you know, the coaches and Andrew Luck saying something about me. Man, I, I think it's awesome, man, and I respect those guys um, to, 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 to my heart, man, and uh, I just can't wait to go out there and compete against them. You said you watched a lot of film on Julio Jones. This is Colts team with a lot of weapons. They specifically went out and tried to improve in that area again this off season. Is there anything that you've seen from watching on film without giving away too many trade secrets that makes you think that you can have a big game again against them this weekend? Uh, explosive. That's all I can say. Explosive. Those guys are explosive. <laughs> very Brilliant. explosive. And uh, I, that's me. I'm, I'm very humble, man. I, I love the game, man, and uh, I just can't wait to go out there and compete against those elite guys. Delvin, it's been really good fun chatting with you, and I'm sure our uh, readers and listeners will enjoy just hearing more about your backstory in the Gridiron magazine. But for the meantime, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So that was Delvin Bro, really fascinating chat with him from the New Orleans Saints. And in fact, uh, as you heard, there, that was just a short 10 minutes or so. But after we got off the phone with him for the podcast, we then spent another half an hour talking to him about a bit more about his route into the NFL, how he got over that injury, the support he had, what, how he went through coaching, why he made the decisions he made, etc., etc. And we're going to do a big feature on him in the next edition of Gridiron Magazine. So go online and, and subscribe, gridiron-magazine.com. You still have a chance, if you subscribe before the 1st of November, to be entered into the fantastic competition to win a a pair of tickets flights and accommodation to either the nfc or afc championship games this year courtesy of our friends at sports travel tours so go online magazine.com it's gonna be worth it for that feature alone because he is a fascinating individual and there's so much we didn't get to there uh that that i really wanted to and could have spoken to him for ages but we've got to do some previewing ollie let's do it let's bash through it so, starting off with that Saints Colts game, game, obviously the aftermath of the Colts' most recent game focused almost exclusively on Chuck Pagano's decision-making, ma- but lost in all of that was Andrew Luck's fine performance returning from injury. Luck were trying to uh, duplicate that on Sunday against the New Orleans team who have left up the most passing yards in the NFL. I know we've just talked to a cornerback and praised him, but New Orleans overall have struggled this year. They're three and all, uh, two of those wins with Luck recovering from an injured right shoulder and with Matt Hasselbeck in at quarterback. His performance against the Pats gives me real hope that he's going to now be able to turn this season around and go on and run the table in the AFC South. In terms of New Orleans, Drew Brees was phenomenal himself against the Falcons. Um, I, I am... I'm going for a Colts win because they're at home, but I think this will be a tougher test than maybe it looked two weeks ago. Yeah, I think so as well. The Colts, I mean, with with Andrew Luck back, it seems re- almost back to full fitness, and, and they really needed that. Uh, I've gone Colts as well, although last time these two teams met, it was a massive, massive blowout. It's what, I think it's the, the largest... Um, largest one of the largest defeats for a team in the NFL era ever 627 in 2011 uh, breeze on that occasion threw for five touchdowns uh, and uh, had a career best 88.6 completion rate if but then he did have uh, Jimmy Graham and uh, some people go Marquis Colson who was who who managed who could still catch a ball he can't anymore um I think the Colts defense will step up. They that kind of thing can't happen again. Do they would be <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that, I think I think it will. I, that kind of thing can't happen again. And the Saints aren't a very good team. They're not being able to rush the ball, uh, so reliant, over reliant on um, on passing. Benjamin Watson had a, a massive. Uh, a massive career game at, at the age of thirty-four last week, and that's something that the Colts will look into. So Colts win, but. It could be a you know a close a close uh, point scoring uh, bonanza. 
New York Jets travel to the New England Patriots, a game that we're all fascinated about. This coming weekend, the Jets sitting at 4-1, and one, traveling to the undefeated New England. I think New England, this might be their toughest test they've faced so far this season in terms of quality. The Jets have surprised everyone. They're without any true uh, edge rush on their front four. Todd Bowles has managed to dial up some really interesting blitz packages, getting the safeties involved, getting the corners involved. If they can get some pressure on Tom Brady, as we saw the Cowboys did, and then if they can get it going on offense with Chris Ivory running the ball with Brandon Marshall, with Eric Decker offering a secondary option to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Actually, uh, it will be, it'll take their best performance of the year, but if the Jets beat New England this year, it wouldn't be that big of a shock. I mean, they're offering, what was amazing is that the last four games between these teams have been decided by within three points, and yet the line on this game is New England seven and a half, despite the fact it's the best Jets team we've seen in about four years. All of this doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Why? Because New England are, are, are blowing everyone out of the water at the moment. Okay, they haven't faced a team like the New York Jets, who have got... They're, they're pretty much everything. They've got everything. Ryan Fitzpatrick was phenomenal last week. Running in, rushing in uh, touchdowns, throwing touchdowns. Uh, Fitzmagic... Okay, no drop, fine. Uh, he's, <laughs> <laughs> been, uh, he's Honestly, I'm really... He's, 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 uh, what? Fitzmagic! I think it was BS. Carry on. <laughs> it, that is not BS. <laughs> uh, but look, I, he has been great. But the way that the 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 Pats have been playing, they're at home. I, you can't. There can't really, be anything I other than the New England win. I really like the way that the New England defense match up against the uh, the new uh, the. Sorry, the other way round. I really like the way the Jets match up against the New England offense. I think they've got so much talent in their backfield. Whether it's the the corners in in Revis, we talk a lot about. We talk a lot about Antonio Cromarty, but Buster Screen's been brilliant. Calvin Pryor and Marcus Gilchrist have looked really good in at safety. I, I think that as long as they can double Gronk and then get somebody with some pace covering Edelman make sure it's not a linebacker he's matched up against but a safety or a corner maybe we'll see Revis play some inside stuff right up against Gronkowski not something he's necessarily always that comfortable with but I think he does it better than say Sherman or Peterson when you talk about the top corners in the league I just genuinely think they match up really well with them and this will be a tighter game I've still picked New England in the predictor game because I'm not an idiot uh, I think I will probably pick New England for every game this season. But I just think that if there's a chance for them to lose early on, this is the one that it's going to be. At Gridiron, Tom Knight has got involved. Uh, the Jets hold, hold the Pats to one touchdown and two field goals <laughs> whilst going on to <laughs> win 28-13 with the returning Ridley scoring a TD against his old team. Ricky Doodles also says road win for the Jets and yeah, some others. That but we'll bold. get to those as well. Um there's not a huge amount to pick out from the six o'clock games in terms of games that are great on paper. As we've learned in recent weeks, that doesn't necessarily mean a huge lot. But what one team I'm really interested in seeing is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're at four and two, traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, this will be our last chance to see the Chiefs before. <laughs> Uh, we see them over in London next weekend, of course. But the Steve proms. Uh, <laughs> right now, I have to time code it. Now I have to bleep it out for F's sake, Ollie. Uh, so the um, the Steelers are sit at four and two, and they're so lucky to be in that position, considering Michael Vick did not slot that offense and do very well at all. Uh, Landry Jones has come in and admittedly his stats were padded out by the big uh, catch and run by Martavis Bryant but his, both the touchdown passes were fantastic the ones to Martavis Bryant yes Bryant did a lot of the work but he was under an intense blitz he found the right man he got the ball off quickly and he made a good throw and equally the throw for the first uh, touchdown um, the one into the red zone that was uh, just a genuinely high class professional NFL throw it, it stuns me that actually they've rolled Vic out there the Steelers for these past few weeks mm. when they've got this guy there they brought Vic in because they didn't trust him to be an NFL starter. They didn't think they had uh, a quality NFL quarterback there. He didn't really show in the preseason he had enough to do it. And then he absolutely ignited them to be an Arizona Cardinals team who we're very, very, very high on. So they play the Chiefs this week. I've gone for a Steelers road win because, unfortunately, the Chiefs without Jamal Charles, I think, just aren't going to get enough going on offense. But if... They choose to rest Roethlisberger another week, which I think they will. Roll Jones out there, get another win, go to 5-2, and two, and then have Roethlisberger coming back. Watch out, AFC. This Steelers team are dangerous. They are dangerous. And we've, the Kansas City defense, especially that backfield, um, or the secondary, sorry, is not good. And when you've got Martavis Bryant, who's, who looked phenomenal last week, 
Antonio Brown is always there. I can't see... I don't think they've got even the personnel to double-team um, either one of them. So we'll see uh, a little bit of double... We might see a bit of double-team, but they, we will see both of them open, and I think it'll be a really big day uh, for LeVeon Bell, Landry Jones, <laughs> Martavis Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown. I think it could be, it could be a bloodbath. On to an NFC North clash as the Minnesota Vikings travel to the Detroit Lions again, heading over to the UK next week. Hence that drop. It's the last time you might have to hear it. Maybe Thank not. God but for that. <laughs> proms, man. That is definitely a total lie, though. <laughs> this is going to be rolled out on a number of occasions over I the next few weeks. I hate the weeks. proms. Uh, before we get on to the Detroit Lions, the Vikings defense, after that terrible week one performance, is shaping up to be one of the best in the NFL and continues to carry uh, the lackluster offense. Uh, the Vikings currently at 3-2, and two, began their defensive turnaround under Mike Zimmer last week, li- limiting opponents to 21 Point four points per game last year. This year, even better, sixteen point six per game, which ranks second in the NFL. They led the way in the sixteen to ten win over Kansas City. The Chiefs only converted on three of twelve third downs. And actually, considering that Peterson didn't look too great, Teddy Bridgewater was picked off twice. It was all about that defense. Peterson said they got the job uh, done for us. That's why it's called a team sport. So the Vikings' defense against. A Lions offense that last week finally started to click. 37-34 win. It was over Chicago, but we'll m- m- move that off. Uh, <laughs> the Lions totaled 546 yards, uh, their most since 2013 Thanksgiving in that. Do you remember that win? I, I think it was over Green Bay, wasn't it? Uh, by I, by I, about 50-odd points. I don't know. Um, but they do, they're still just turning the ball over too much. 18 giveaways, four more than the next highest total. They're giving the ball away more than any other team in the league. And because of that, I think the Vikings' defense win on the road and beat the Lions. Ooh, really? I've gone different. I've gone the Lions to win. Uh, apart from the emergence of Stefan Diggs, who Mike Wallace has said his skills are reminiscent of Pittsburgh... Pittsburgh's Antonio Brown. Um, That's that, high praise. I like Stefan Diggs. I yeah. actually, I think he's looked really good the last two weeks. And in fact, was a player uh, maybe a year or so ago. Looked like he might be drafted out high. He's a player who came out of college as a, as a, out of high school as a complete five star recruit. Didn't have the best time in college. Had some injury issues. Uh, you know, he looks like a really quality wide receiver. But to compare him to Antonio Brown, wee wah wee wah, wee wah wee wah. Um, but I, uh, the, the, other than that, the Vikings are dull uh, unless. Um, Adrian Peterson gets running and he probably will get running against uh, Detroit <laughs> and for that reason I think Detroit are going to pass the ball loads I, I predict so this is a bold prediction I think Matt Stafford will throw the ball more often than he's ever done in any other game ever Calvin Johnson Golden wow. Tate um, Eric Ebron could be, ba- could be back Tim Wright I think it's going to be a massive massive um, passing performance from Matt Stafford and the Lions will, will come out on top now we uh need to need to look through the last four of the six o'clock games none of these are particularly stimulating i'm not gonna lie uh, let's start off with the atlanta falcons five and one traveling to the tennessee titans we've already had it confirmed that marcus mariota will be missing this weekend's game so it's the return of zach manberger just don't let him take any selfies guys and i'm sure he'll be fine the falcons i fully expect them to bounce back from their thursday night football loss their offense has been really good this year they've had a week and a half to get julio jones back fit again. Devonta Freeman is the most ludicrous human being currently playing in the NFL. Um, I, when you consider that this is a Titans team who lost 38-10 to Miami, uh, an offense who'd done nothing up until that point, I think that shows the direction this game's going in. I'm going Falcons all the way. Yeah, I'm going Falcons as well. Um, the, uh, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> you wouldn't have predicted this uh, coming to this point of the season, but the Titans have the best passing defense in terms of yards given up in the NFL, the best. Uh, Julio Jones will cha- will change that. Matt Ryan uh, has looked a little off colour recently, um, but I think he'll find Julio and and get the job done. Um, when it comes to Devonte Freeman, he's been unbelievable. And when you're going up against the 28th worst rush defence in the Tennessee Titans, it's go- again. It I, I use this uh, for for Pittsburgh. It could be an- another bloodbath. I'm going Falcons win all the way. Why is bloodbath your new preferred term of, uh, not endearment, but uh, a descriptive term for a blowout? I really do not know. It's a little brutal, I'm not going to lie. I do not know. Fine, okay. 
This is what happens Woo! when you, where, this is what happens when you let me get on the desk and do all the controlling. Is there's going to be a lot more musical cues yes! in these games? This is easily the best Metallica song, man. That's not saying a huge amount. That, don't you dare! Fantastic band. One album wonders. But good live. I'll give you that. They are uh, good live. The, you didn't let it kick in. The Houston Texans. We're going to get in trouble. They're the sort of people who sue over this sort of thing. They will not. Yeah! And the reason we're doing this is because <laughs> Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, a coaching genius, the only music that he ever listens to in his life, apparently, is the Mighty Tanaka. That's a true oh, fact, Holly Hunter. Man. <laughs> God. I uh, love that song. Oh, you're making me do more. Stop it. Uh, the, uh, the two and four Texans travel to the two and three Dolphins, showing signs of life after that aforementioned 38 10 win over the Titans last week. They got sacks going, they got the defense going. The sleeping giant has awoken. Now, let me ask you this, Ollie. In an AFC where right now there are only five teams with winning records, the Dolphins beat the Texans today. Sunday, you know what I mean. Yeah. Do we actually think that this team could be turned around enough by a head coaching change to challenge for the playoffs? Mate, that's hysterical. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, God. <laughs> Shut up, Metallica. See what I mean? This is what happens when you leave me in charge. Hysterical. Hysterical. I know I am getting a little bit hysterical, but genuinely, the Dolphins uh, impressed me that much last weekend. It might just be a one-week wonder, but I think they beat the Texans this weekend. I think they've got a much... Basically, they've got a much better team. The Texans haven't got a good quarterback. They can't stop the, uh, the other team, the opposition on offense. The other team. The other team, whoever it is. But it doesn't matter who it is. It yeah. genuinely doesn't matter. Um, the Dolphins have got a tough run off the back of this. They've got to go to the Patriots and to the Bills after this game. But you know what? Go three and three and then win one of those two games at, at Pats at Bills. Then you're facing off against the NFC East, the terrible Ravens, the unpredictable Giants. Yeah, they could be an, a nine-win team. I don't think they will be, but they could be. They really could. They really could be. Lamar Miller's back. Uh, we think. <laughs> uh, we don't know where he's been. Um, he, he's been missing. MIA, missing in action. Not Miami. MIA. Uh, the, the only thing about the Texans is they are a collection. They're not a collection. They've got five or six actual good players, and then that's it. They don't have anything else. So there's nothing else. <laughs> nothing else between them. So Arian Foster. Um, Do you want is what? Go on. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'm going. Who have I gone for? I've gone Dolphins. I thought you might do. Now let's get really. Kirk Cousins is only managing 9.54 yards per completion. He's 34th in the league in turnovers and yards per completion in quarterbacks. That's right. He's behind two backups as well as the rest of the league in general. <laughs> Bring back RG3! Or Colt McCoy. <laughs> Never Colt McCoy. Never Colt McCoy, yeah. yeah uh, ge right, genuinely, yeah. Washington, uh, well, I've got them beating the Bucks this weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie, Jameis Winston, showing real growing pains. Uh, he's got a 56.6-yard completion to go with the league's worst interception percentage. Not the most interceptions, but the worst percentage. Uh, he's been inaccurate. He's been throwing the ball to the opposition far too much. But This is a battle of two bad quarterbacks. So for me, it comes down to who the better defense is. That is Washington. I'm taking them at home. Oh, I've gone Bucks. Well, I don't know why. Uh, no, that's I like what I've it. Done. I like it. Uh, two and four Cleveland, two and four Rams in St. Louis. Todd Gurley is averaging over six yards per carry. In fact, let me put it to you, Sue. If I told you that Todd Gurley was averaging 3.91 yards, what would you think I meant? If I hadn't already told you the other stat. Um... Uh, uh, the amount of yards per carry. I, I mean, you've led me down that path. <laughs> right. That is the number of yards per carry Todd Gurley has before contact. That's how elusive this guy is. It doesn't matter if you stuff the box. He's going to avoid you. Todd Gurley has been brilliant for the Rams, and he is going to carry them to a win over the Browns. Yeah, I've also got that. Browns are not an attractive football team to watch. <laughs> and that's not just because their uniform, hashtag, 
kit watch is not nice uh moving into the later games then there are a few tastier ones here you'll be glad to know after we've had to go through a little bit of a dirge there let's start off with the game that's that's probably the least exciting on paper for this weekend and that's the two and four oakland raiders against the two and four san diego chargers obviously an afc west clash we do like a divisional clash at any time the san diego superchargers have looked phenomenal on offense to put up those sorts of numbers in green bay over 500 yards and not win that game disgusting if they can get a run game going and it looks like melvin gordon's going to be dropped to the bench then the chargers should win this one handily your clap is so out of time it's unbelievable yeah but that's because i'm down the line no it's not it is. There's it is. no delay. There's look, a, there's, there's clearly no delay. Look, look you're a disgrace. Uh, Chargers, <laughs> Chargers will win. Uh, a, a big passing um, battle this will be, but the, the, the Chargers will win by two or three scores, I should think. Fantastic. Right, so there is some intrigue in the late games on Sunday, and that starts off with the Matt Castle-led Dallas Cowboys sitting at 2-3, and travelling to the New York Giants, who I genuinely thought would be at 4-2 and two at this point, and we'd be going to this game saying this is an easy Giants win. But after an impressive opening drive for Eli Manning, they fell apart against the Eagles on Monday night in what was a terrible game. Turnovers galore. Uh, and, and then to be honest with you, if there's going to be the Odell Beckham still questionable for Sunday, without Odell Beckham, I, that, there's a chance the Cowboys might win this. They could very well win. I, this. I think Matt Castle's a better quarterback than Brandon Whedon and gives them a better opportunity. I've picked the Cowboys to win this. Greg Hardy looked phenomenal, and I hate to say it that he did, but he did look phenomenal against um, oh, who did they play? The, the New England Patriots last week. Um, with Matt Castle, who I actually quite like as a full, uh, as a quarterback, I think he's very decent. He looked he looks okay when we saw him uh, <laughs> for the is, Minnesota you are Vikings. Damning with some faint praise right now. Well, yeah, exactly. But also, uh, when you've Larry Donnell keeps dropping the ball, Robin uh, Ribbon Randall is also a little bit banged up. Odell Beckham Jr. If he doesn't play, what else have they got? They got nothing. They got nothing. I really like the way that the Cowboys are approaching this game. They've had the bye week and they've gone right. What have been our problems on offense? The the quarterback's not been good enough. Let's get him out and let's get Matt Castle some first team reps. What has been the weak part of the well started with the run game? Joseph Randall has not been impressive enough. We've brought in a guy from Seattle who, admittedly, has never shown it in a big sample size. But let's give him a chance to go out there and prove himself. He certainly has the raw physical ability to do it what's been the weakest part of our offensive line well obviously left guard ronald leary oh wait we went and got lyle collins in the offseason after he dropped out of the draft due to his legal issues and then refusing to be drafted out of the second round Mm. so they've gone and they've plugged him in at left guard they've tried to fix the issues they've had i'm not suggesting that they're going to have done it because i think the offensive line has been a bit of a letdown and matt castle still isn't at the level of tony romo of course But if they've got a chance to win prior to Romo and Des coming back, a divisional game with these changes, with a long time to prepare, this is probably it, but I still took the Giants. No, I've gone. I've gone Cowboys. I think that Castle will rejuvenate that team. Um, D- um, Darren McFadden has looked decent in the passing game. I expect him to be more involved in the rushing game as well. Uh, giant um, Cowboys all the way. Philadelphia Eagles travelling to the 5-0 and Carolina Panthers. The Eagles have pulled their record back to 3-3 three and three after a disastrous start to the season. Uh, they, the last time these two teams played each other, the Panthers had a disastrous loss in Philadelphia. The Eagles forced turnovers on two of the Panthers' first three offensive drives and won in a 45-21 to 21 victory. I think the difference between the Panthers then and the Panthers now is stark. I don't think we can talk enough, as we did earlier in the week, about just what they're managing to put together with this offence and what Cam Newton has achieved. The Eagles are much more impressive against the Giants, but Sam Bradford is still turning over the ball too much for me. I still think that Ryan Matthews is the better option in the backfield, but they're going to keep plugging away with DeMarco Murray because they paid him all that money. I just still don't know how to read the Eagles, but because this is in Carolina, I've picked so many home games this week. I'm taking it as another home game. Yeah, ditto. Carolina for me. Uh, David Cheeseman on, on at Gridiron says, Eagles to end Panthers' unbeaten start and Bradford to throw zero interceptions. Bold and hysterical prediction. Hashtag fly, Eagles fly. Hysterical! Hysterical! 
Yeah, it really is. Um, the only part of that that's really hysterical is specifically the Sam Bradford thing. I mean, now they have got the run offence going. Uh, Tip Kelly's offence in the last two games has averaged 472 yards compared with sub-300 through their first four games. And that's obviously where they're going to win these games if they're going to win them. But the Panthers' defence, I think, are stouter than the teams they've faced in recent weeks, and that's why they win this one. I will give you a bold prediction. Ooh. Sanchez will come in in this game. Wow. No, I think that is bolder because I, I actually don't think, despite the issues they've had, they're quite ready to go away from him. I do like this as the late game on Sunday, though. We've had two very bad uh, primetime games back-to-back. The, the last night's game and the game on Monday were both not enjoyable games of football to watch for various reasons. And I think this is going to live up to a bit more scratch. Monday um, night... Uh, well, I'm going Carolina. By I'm the way. going Carolina as well. Yeah. Monday night... Maybe not so much. The 1-5 and five Ravens travel to the 4-2 and two Cardinals. The Cardinals had a, an uncharacteristic performance, uh, for my belief, and they've lost two games this year that I think they should have and could have won both of them based on paper. But if you think about how a Seahawks team who are still performing below the level we've seen them reach in recent seasons made the 49ers look at home, how bad are this Ravens team? Oh, they're terrible, and isn't it great to see... Well, that's a little harsh. I quite like the Ravens fans. We went out there and we spent a bit of time in Baltimore. And Only because your missus nice is a Ravens people. fan. Don't no, forget that. I don't care about her. When it comes to footballing terms, she's obviously my entire life outside of it. But, yeah, I, the Ravens have really struggled when they've gone out to the West Coast. It's the worst franchise start. It's the worst uh, six-game start in franchise history. Um, I... I just think this is going to be ugly. I actually think Arizona, for a Monday night game, I think they're going to... They, the Ravens have lost in tight games, 22 points in total over four. Expect that to increase exponentially against the Cardinals. I think they can win by two or three scores. So you're saying it's going to be a bloodbath? Or, or a blowout. <laughs> or I'll a ha- blowout, okay. I'll, I'll happily take either, whatever works for us. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's any bits of major news we've missed. I'm just well, having well, a little Hold search. up, what about me? Regarding the Ravens, just to say, um, uh, Ozzie Newsom, there's been some uh, links with Steve Smith. Uh, uh, potentially leaving the team and then potentially trying to trade him, uh, accepting that their season's not gone too well, accepting that he is uh, probably their only tradable asset and late in his life, and late in his life, not in his life, in his football life. There's been some talk about him trading him. Steve Smith said, if the Ravens traded me, I'd quit football. Wow. So that's not happening, just to let you know. Even though no, it won't happen. For like 35 seconds. Uh, the Cardinals are 15-4 and four in Arizona under Bruce Arians. Um, I'm going the Cardinals on this, and yeah, in this in this uh, eagerly anticipated bird derby hashtag bird derby, um, I will go. Uh, I will go for the uh, tits who are no longer tits. They're Cardinals of the uh, of the Cardinals of Arizona to win. Uh, is there anything else you want to add to the footballing malaise today? We've had a few other, a few other bold predictions that have come in whilst we've been doing the show, uh, including Richard Walker says, I think the Titans beat the Falcons with two pick sixes. They can't stop Freeman, but stay frisky with Mettenberger and Green Beckham in a high scoring game. Um, it's actually, I like it when a bold prediction gives you some meat to the bones. Uh, uh, on top of just saying it, uh, Rick, Ricky Doodles has predicted road wins for the Jets, Raiders, and Saints. Jets, Raiders, and Saints is incredibly bold. The more I think about it, but that's why we ask for bold predictions. Well, well yeah. Well, uh, I don't remember you giving us a bold prediction. I've been all over the bold predictions. Yeah. To be fair, you've probably looked at the overall leaderboard in the Gridiron Pickums and gone, "Man, I need to make up some games here." I've moved myself up into a pretty tasty second amongst the Gridiron team. That's because I forgot fourth to or fifth overall. Yeah, I we need to. Last we do week. need to get that corrected. Either you need to listen back to last week's podcast, or I need to listen back to it re-register your picks and we'll get those added on back onto last week's games because I, I want it to be a fair reflection over the season the fact that you forgot to press submit predictions shouldn't count against you when it's on record so if a listener wants yeah, to do okay. it that'd be lovely probably Ollie should just do it though I should and, do and it. We'll, I'll do it I'll we do will it. get those added in so make sure you do go to gridiron-magazine.com enter the predictor games um, I had a really good chat with the guys at Sports Travel Tours in the last couple of days about our tour and what we're going to be able to do is bring you an idea of some of what the pricing will look like uh, and, and what the tour will involve. We can't give you cities and games yet because obviously there's no schedule until uh, later in the year, but we can give you an indication of that, so we will do so next week. Ollie Hunter, any final thoughts? Uh, no, but very final thoughts for me. Um, thanks very much, Cal, and uh, to Kempi for, for enjoying Nathaniel and uh, the, Nathaniel Ratcliffe and the Night Sweats. Um, both have uh, got involved. 
I love them. I can't wait to go and see them soon. Do you know what? My dad, totally out of the blue, uh, yesterday morning, uh, whilst he was working out of his office in San Francisco. No, don't worry. He's not uh, uh, the GM or, or any front office member of the terrible 49ers. He'd probably do a better job, though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 110% my dad would be better at the job than Jed York. Uh, he sent me a video just going, just shy of the usual 12-hour shift at HQ. Justin suggested this song earlier. Might be next on my agenda. I think we all know what it was. Come on! So, my dad, out of the blue, said that he'd been listening to them as well. They are, obviously, the hot ticket. Well, yeah. If uh, if the cool people that are your dad and me uh, <laughs> are pushing them, then they really must be. Ollie, I'm not going to lie. If I had to pick between you and my dad, my dad is a hundred times cooler than you. Yeah, fair enough. Any, any genuine final thoughts? I'm pretty good and ready to wrap up here. Let's go. Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy Wembley on Sunday. If you see us, come and find us. We will be doing something afterwards. I imagine it'll be the Hippodrome again, depending on how busy it is. But if anyone has suggestions, tweet us at Gridiron, tweet me at Will Gav, tweet Ollie at Ollie Hunter, and let us know if you've got anywhere else you'd like to suggest for us to watch the games. It's got to ideally be somewhere that's showing more than just one game, though. We will happily take it somewhere else, and we'll send out the tweet, and we'll try and get everyone there. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. Wibbly!